0: G-I-R-L-S-C-A-M-P,
1: it's Girls Camp. Hello campers and welcome to Girls Camp. I'm your host, Haley Rall, and I've had a wonderful week. I hope you've had a good week too. This week, I went on my solo trip to New York and it was everything I dreamed it would be. I had a lot of high hopes for this trip, and honestly, it exceeded expectations. New York in May is so lovely. There was such a good energy. The weather was insane. It was perfect. And the best part of it was getting to meet up with friends that I've made through the podcast. It was so fun to chat in real life. And honestly, I was telling my husband when I got home how shook I am that real live humans are listening to this podcast, and not only that, but that the smartest, coolest humans are listening to the podcast. I was like, Whoa, I'm feeling almost intimidated by some of these listeners, all just very cool people that I had such good conversations with, and honestly. One of the curses of doing this podcast is now anytime I'm having a conversation with someone about the church, which is quite often, I feel panicked that I'm not recording it. I met up with a couple women through the podcast and I was just like, I wish I was recording everything we were saying. Like, how will I ever recap this on the podcast? But I'm trying to just chill out a little bit, which is something I always need to remind myself to do. That said, Bentley does want to get me like a little portable setup so I could do more like on the fly kind of interview stuff, which I think would be really fun. All of that to say, New York was great. I also saw Book of Mormon the musical, changed my life. I'm planning on doing a full recap episode in the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned for that. One of the friends that I met up with in New York is Katie Weber, and she is the guest on today's episode. Katie is a transgender woman, and I know Katie from my mission. So we actually were in the MTC together and overlapped our entire missions. And Katie transitioned in June of last year, and she tells her whole story of what it was like growing up in the church, how she... Felt about all the gender constructs, how she went on a mission, got married, and then discovered that she was transgender, and what that has been like for her. And it's such a lovely, inspiring, beautiful story. I think it's a really important listen. I spoke about this on Instagram a couple days ago, but there's a lot of bullshit, I think, going on in the media right now around the Target Pride merch collection. And I'm not going to get so into it but I do just want to say I think the antidote to this moral panic that is kind of going on right now is simply listening to stories of people in the LGBTQ community and realizing there's just nothing to be afraid of here and I just really appreciate Katie again for sharing herself with us I think you're gonna love it so enjoy welcome Katie To Girls Camp.
2: Yeah, it's so great to be here. My first time at Girls Camp. (laughs) Yeah,
1: you have been you were and continue to be such a supporter of the podcast, but you were like an OG camper and I appreciate you for that. From the early, early days of the podcast.
2: Yeah, I remember like your first episode, I think I listened to it like that day when it came out or something. I'm um, so honored. I'm just so excited. So It's yeah. so
1: fun. We were talking about this. So I was just in New York. So Katie and I were together in New York. We were going to record and then we got kind of behind schedule, but we were talking about mission, our mission. So Katie and I served together. We were in the Germany Berlin mission and we were talking about like who we've stayed connected to and I feel like I've connected to way more missionary friends since starting the podcast than I was connected to even after the mission, which is kind of a fun, ironic little thing.
2: Yeah, I feel the exact same way.
1: It's a good Mm -hmm. connection point to have gone on a mission and then left the church. There's much to talk about. For sure. So, today we are going to be digging into your story. Do you mind just introducing yourself, like giving kind of a general background, where you live, where you're from, that kind of thing?
2: Yeah, so my name's Katie. I use she and they um, for my pronouns. I live in Brooklyn. I'm an underemployed software engineer right now, (laughs) (laughs) working on that, looking for a full-time role, so... so if anyone listening yeah there (laughs) you go (laughs) (laughs) thank you um let's see I have a dog I'm I just got to Brooklyn like nine months ago or something like that I'm from Utah I grew up in Highland so Utah County proper Mm -hmm. Um, definitely a bastion of Mormonism yep all of my neighbors were Mormon or at least were on the records so every single person every household for a couple of blocks was in my ward and there wasn't a single yep. one missing.
1: Yeah, it was yep. kind of good old Highland. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that, especially in relation to the church, and if anything was coming up for you in the kind of childhood, adolescent years around gender identity, too.
2: Yeah, so my family was, um, I'd say, like, firmly Mormon. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how to how else to put it. Devout. Been, I was like, yeah, devout. Definitely going every week. There was some amount of, like, not overdoing it, like, trying not to overdo it or something, you know, like, not Mm. being, like, true blue, like, over-the-top Mormons, like, cringy or something. I don't know. That's kind of how I felt my whole life, is, like, don't Mm. overdo it. (laughs) Um, But we were, like, definitely, like, all in. Um, And, like, both of my parents' families are, like, pioneer stock, all of that. Growing up, uh, when I was little, I played with boys and girls, um and didn't wasn't really bothered by gender identity at all earliest church memory um was probably like i i remember when we were all playing on the floor like that's how little i was of like sacrament meeting and then Mm. all of a sudden we were like too loud one day and that was it and we needed to sit on the bench and try to pay attention from then on out um mm, and be I, reverent. I was very young and I was like okay now church is boring um <laughs> but like <laughs> I have to pretend to listen now <laughs> yeah exactly oh my goodness it was mind-numbing it was always something I didn't really like and it was mm. a part of my life that like I would just forget about when I wasn't doing something churchy I would just like focus on other things you know
1: mm do you feel like you were disinterested and like apathetic toward church or were you like uncomfortable and feeling like any dissonance?
2: I didn't feel uncomfortable until I was probably around 15 ish. Um, but until then I was just kind of bored sometimes. Mm -hmm. Other times I would be happy to like be involved or be a little know it all in, in Sunday school or something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Uh, Around 15 or so, maybe 16, 17, actually, in in high school, like, I was on the Internet, and I had been on the Internet before, but, like, I found the ex-Mormon subreddit. I was a little Redditor uh, as Mm -hmm. a teenager. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was on there reading stuff, so I kind of got an idea of, like, how people outside the church felt about it um, at that age, and I started to feel uncomfortable a little bit. Um, But I was, like, pretty committed I like knew I wanted to go on a mission that was like what I had to do um as a little priesthood holder yeah (laughs) Um, yeah that's pretty early
1: I feel like to encounter I mean I'm imagining on post-mormon reddit I'm on there now so Mm -hmm. much later in life but I'm imagining you were encountering a lot of heavy criticism like historical facts like all that kind of stuff
2: for sure so there's a lot of dissonance and a lot of You know, feeling like people are being too angry, too dramatic about what the church is doing wrong and that I could just deal with the problems, Mm. you know, push it to the side, right? Put it on my shelf. Yeah. Um, Yeah, absolutely. That's I started doing that.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Interesting. That does feel earlier, especially because you are, you were so insulated by Mormonism living in Highland with your family and your neighbors, like you said, so Mm Yeah, I'm sure Reddit was a surprise for sure (laughs) at that stage. Yeah,
2: no, exactly. So, like, I remember I was, like, super analytical. I remember, like, deciding to go on a mission because it was, like, the most optimal thing to do
1: Mm.
0: for,
2: like, living a life that kept up with, like, what my parents wanted or what I thought everyone around me wanted and all these things and not being, like, socially ostracized or anything like that. Yeah. It was, like, it would have been a major, like, I didn't know anything
1: else. Totally. It just made sense to go. It's just kind of like what people were doing. So you wanted to go on a mission. You decided to go on a mission. What was the mission experience like for you? (laughs) Um,
2: Yeah, so I I left right when I graduated high school. So no experience living away from home before that. Um, Jumped right into it. Got to Germany. um, Was stuck with, you know, a bunch of Elders, stinky, <laughs> um, disorganized, stinky dirty elders. disorganized, dirty elders, <laughs> dirty elders, yeah, um, it was so fun that you stayed at Connor's apartment because because mm-hmm. you, you got to see exactly what he's like, um, Connors a mutual. Friend from the mission. I got to his area after, like, when he was leaving, uh, halfway through my mission, and it was like a breath of fresh air. He was like, (laughs) he had left it all nice for me, and I was just like, what is happening? (laughs) It was (laughs) like clean
1: and smelled good. Yeah, Yeah. So I stayed at another elder from our mission. I stayed at his apartment when I was just in New York, and I was telling Katie, I was like, his apartment is so like nice and clean and smells good. It feels like a hotel. And then that's when we were talking about how you had to endure, like, the craziest missionary apartments on the I
2: can't even tell you. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> when I first got to my very first area, my trainer had celebrated his previous companion, like, going home, I think. Um, mm. I think they made a giant oven pancake. Yes. Thing. And they just, like, left it all. Like, the cooking stuff, like, the eggshells, full of stuff in the middle of the summer for, like, two days while he came to Berlin to come pick me up. And so I got there. There was like a million fruit flies in the apartment. Oh, um, it was yeah, it was nightmarish. So just I was, like a warm running out of the vacuum, welcome. Them up for one. <laughs> yeah, you know. So that's kind of how it went. Uh, okay, so I have a funny, kind of gendery story for my mission. Yeah, <laughs> um, please. Where it's just like, uh, well, I I kind of lived for the little things that you could do. I don't know. Uh, this is like the thing that felt most like rebellious for me in a weird Mm. way but there was there was a transfer and I was getting put on a train from Dresden to Berlin um, which you can do as a missionary it's like the only time you're going to be by yourself is if you have your companion drop you off at the train station put you on a train and then some other companionship is going to pick you up on the other end yeah my companion helped me, helps me get my luggage onto the train. Um, it's very full. I'm like I don't know what to do. It was like one of those like Harry Potter style older mm-hmm. compartment um, mm-hmm. trains, which is kind of funny. Um, yeah, kind of cute, unusual, I guess. Um, but like all the compartments were full, and then we noticed there there's one compartment, and it was a bunch of um, girls from Michigan State who are doing like a exchange trip. Um... <laughs> And so my companion's, like, he's, like, like the tallest 40 guy, and he's, like, flirting with him. He's, like, hey, ladies, like, <laughs> what hell, you guys are, like, traveling through Germany, huh? And I was, like, oh, my God. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> um, but then he had to run off the train, and I did not have anywhere to sit. So I was, like, hey, can I squeeze in with you guys, please? Um, and so we they let me in and we all just like hung out and talked for the two or three hour train ride. Mm. And it was so nice. I can't even explain it. It was just like mm. amazing to have this little break with like six women who were just, you know, excited and happy to be in Germany. Like I was, Yeah. Um, but they didn't have to be doing a mission, you know? Yeah. Just, like, yeah. A yeah. Relief. So that was my little thing where I was like, should I have gone and sat with all those girls <laughs> and hung out with them? Yes, obviously. But like, was it a little bit, of my own little rebellion. I,
1: yeah, I think so. <laughs> it probably felt rebellious to be in a little compartment with all of those women. Were you feeling like any gender dysphoria on your mission? Were you feeling like any discomfort around us I mean especially missions they are so gendered right
2: missions so gendered for sure like I always loved hanging out with the sisters right and it was like such a relief to you know be a district leader and get to call a sister's companionship Mm. every night and hang out a little bit you know yeah and that was a relief for sure um so just spending a little bit of time with sisters always like was great for me and made me super happy and then I was always like a little guilty as, like, I was, like, am I, like, flirting with the Mm. sisters or just wanting to be their friends, which is kind of how, uh, you know, a little bit of how high school went for me, too. It was, it's, like, having a girlfriend was a good excuse to, like, have girl time. Yeah. But I didn't know this. I just, like, loved being around girls, so I just thought that I was, like, the relationship type or something. Totally. Yeah, that's Um, super
1: interesting because I didn't think about how, you are stuck with another man, literally twenty four seven, and mm-hmm. that probably felt, as you were saying, like really restrictive.
2: Yeah, not yeah. to mention the clothing.
1: Yeah. No, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> Yeah. I want to hear more about that because I feel like you're, yeah, you're forced to wear a suit, which is like yeah. the most masculine, I guess you can get. I mean, I guess that's arguable, but wearing sure. a suit every single day for two years, like that's a lot. Yeah.
2: Well, it was awful. Um, but in a way you get prepared for it a little bit, right? Cause every week you have to be in a suit, a shirt and tie leading up mm. to it. Mm. Um, I feel like every kid was like this, but like, I, Found, we were looking through some like old family videos um and you could hear my grandma like telling me like put your easter clothes back on like get your tie back on you know like mm. don't, we still need to take pictures and you need to like look cute and handsome and stuff and i was like i know i was like really miserable wearing those clothes because i always was but i wasn't sitting there like oh i want to be in a dress it was just yeah, like, I hate like a collar and a tie and yeah, like, being uncomfortable. You know, like I want to feel comfy. Yeah, um, so that's usually what I defaulted to. I was wearing like hoodies and jeans at, at school most of the time. You know, but then like there's little things like I wore a hummingbird necklace to school for like all of junior year until Aww. it broke. <laughs> that's sweet. Um, yeah, but like there was a little bit of leeway with gender. I don't know. Like if you were like a cool dude, you could be like edgy and like have. little bit of jewelry or something yeah that's teased for it yeah yeah use that leeway to feel
1: were you ever teased for it like either in high school or on the mission like do you feel like people were ever like noticing things or teasing you for not maybe being like a stereotypical male or was that not so much a thing
2: no I think I managed to steer clear of that um and just like I learned at a really young age how to conform to mm. gender norms because um, I was always wanting to do what other people wanted right I was a bit of a people pleaser mm. so it was like kind of a natural thing to to not push the envelope not feel uncomfortable and like yeah there's always it always seems like there was men who felt more comfortable with their gender and like felt like they could grow their hair out longer than me or something and I felt mm. weird about it like I it was just wrong if I did it or something.
1: Yeah, like you didn't have as much license to yeah do that kind of thing. Way. Tell me about learning about gender through the church doctrine. There's a lot about gender. There's a lot about sexuality. What was that like learning those things as you were growing up, like up until this stage? Teaching those things maybe on the mission? Were you feeling any type of way about that? Or what did that feel like for you to be so steeped in the very gendered doctrines?
2: Yeah, I always think of the proclamation to the world, mm-hmm. um, which I'm older than it, by the way, by really like a month. <laughs> yeah. So you know,
1: I'm, you were just a little baby when it came
2: out. Yeah. Exactly. When did it come
1: out? Actually? I don't even yeah, know. 95, I know that. Okay. Fall. Okay. But, yep.
2: Oh, and that was all because of like some court case in Hawaii and the church needed to be able to have its doctrine to stand on against gay marriage right obviously Yikes. like because the church didn't have a leg to stand on and being discriminating against gay people
0: so they
1: wanted um, to make sure it was very clear
2: <laughs> yeah so it became like a here's our written doctrine about mm. it so that kind of is what i grew up with right is like this thing is so important we talk about it all the time And, you know, men are priesthood holders, but like women are like better, you know, like I was always hearing that. And I totally ate that up because I looked at women and I always compared myself to other girls growing up. Like I thought they were the best at like doing things at school, you know, like they were smart Mm. and neat and artsy and all these things that I wanted to be like them. Right. So I was like, yeah, women are definitely better. Like we were not like men aren't better. Like men have the priesthood so they can like improve and learn to be like as good mm. as women and all these things. So we're just like naturally great. Right.
1: Interesting. Um, yeah. So that, that was
2: kind of the vibe growing up. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I forgot about that kind of spin on it because that is, I think I, I did you saying that just reminded me of a lot of the like justification around women, not having the priesthood is like women are inherently better which yeah, i think heard, they're already good. Yeah, know. they're already good. They don't need it, which yeah. obviously is problematic in so many ways, but i find it kind of like patronizing even to tell women like, "Well, you're you're so good. Oh, like so us awful, men, yeah. we're just trying to catch up and that's why we need the priesthood and like you're yeah, you have babies and all these things that like are these kind of weird roundabout like almost backhanded like compliments around womanhood.
2: Upholding this weird standard that you need to be to totally woman.
1: Totally, totally. Yeah, but that's interesting. I can I can see how your perspective might be that way. And it's it's nice because it sounds like you had a true respect and admiration for womanhood. And even though that doctrine, I think we can both agree, is like problematic in and of itself. It sounds like you were connecting, not the doctrine, but kind of that cultural twist on it. It sounds like you were connecting to that, but in an actual like authentic sense.
2: Yeah. So then as I was growing up, all of a sudden I was like, wait a second, like we've never had a woman president. Like no one, no woman is actually in charge of anything in the church. Like no woman presides over a single man in the church yeah um and that did take me a while to learn i think i was really only figuring that out and why that was so awful mm-hmm. um as i was like in college you know yeah it wasn't something i really got as a kid
1: yeah 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 i can relate to that too oh
2: yeah. i have one more mission story oh please i've been waiting to i've been waiting to tell you this because i want oh, to I see like, wait. your reaction i cannot wait please did tell you, did you ever hear about sister german
0: no Oh my God.
2: Okay. So at any little district meeting, if an elder had to suffer through listening to a sister give a lesson in German, then you were liable to later hear him snidely complain about how the sister's German wasn't very good. And it would be referred to as like Schwesterdeutsch.
1: Okay, I kind of now that you're saying this, I feel like I heard like whispers on the wind of that, but I remember that being a thing of like sisters suck at German. Yeah,
2: sisters. But German I didn't know sucks. there was
1: like a n- full name for it.
2: Yeah, you'd be like, uh, Schusterdeutsch.
1: <gasps> Icky. That,
2: just hear that. Yeah, it, was, it made me. I was. It made me so angry, and like, there's a obvious reason why mm. sisters aren't as good as elders at German is because a quarter of the elders have been on their mission longer than every yep. single sister. Yeah. Right. You have an extra six months of runway to just really take off in your German and then train a younger missionary and all these things mm-hmm. are like compound. So it's like, obviously the sisters aren't here as long. Yeah. Like, and, and elders are just like, yeah, sisters are bad at German.
1: They're just inherently just, bad. Yeah. Oh, that's... And it
2: just made my blood boil.
1: I hate that shit so bad. My, I don't know i kind of had some of this growing up too but i remember on the mission having to call like my zone leader who was like an 18 year old like you know who or, knows yeah. who and like reporting to this the boy football captain or something exactly <laughs> right. and being like why am i reporting to you especially on missions because sisters are older so yeah. you feel like there's <laughs> an even larger maturity gap and i remember true. it feeling you are so weird we, right
2: we went on the mission at the same time we yeah were older than
1: yeah we. So we were in the MTC at the same time. But yeah, I Mm -hmm. was, you were straight out of high school. I had gone to like a year of college. I was 19. Mm -hmm. So you, sisters are, I think, objectively more mature at that point. But yet there's still this like hierarchy where you're reporting to the men, obviously. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that sister German thing, I can so see because I think I sensed even on a mission like an insecurity among a lot of the elders. Because sisters, I think, also have a little bit of this like, I don't know, there's a lot of weirdness around gender on missions. Something I noticed is I feel like elders would sometimes act like sister missionaries had it much easier because people were nicer to us as women, because like the wards liked us better, because we were women. But in reality, I actually feel like it was a lot harder as a sister missionary to be taken seriously across the board, whether that was teaching people or in the wards or among other missionaries. But that's yeah. an interesting thing that you just unearthed for me. I've never, like, fully yeah, thought about there that. a little
2: bit. There's a little bit of, like, derision. And, yeah. Like, and, yeah, maybe it was some insecurity there, but... Yeah, interesting. It's to
0: I always hated that. Yeah, that's so and interesting. And the thing
2: is, is there's a bunch of elders whose German is way worse than a lot of sisters. You know, that's like, the thing. That's the thing. Okay. Yeah, like, so, yeah, um, you wouldn't hear you wouldn't hear people complaining about it who were confident in their German either. Yeah,
1: yeah, true. Very true. Good point. Oh, that's so interesting. Okay, so on the mission, you're saying you're kind of like recognizing these maybe gender things too. Like you were enjoying hanging out with sister missionaries. You're feeling like not jiving maybe as much with some of the elders or elders in general um that's it though yeah that, that's yeah was like, so like kind of the extent hint, you know yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so then you get home from your mission so let's pick up there what happens okay. when yeah you get home? so of
2: course I go straight to BYU mm-hmm. <laughs> um, as one does and then yeah well I think, importantly, in my first class, I meet the girl who later we got married. Mm. In your first (laughs) Um, class? Yeah, it was our very first class. Whoa. Yeah, I still still remember walking in as a small class and being like, oh, there's, like, three cute girls (laughs) in this class, and then there's, like, one who's, like, really cool.
0: And just your Um, soon-to-be wife.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, so that all went pretty fast. We were married like a year and a half later.
0: Mm.
1: Okay. <laughs> Still <so> you... <laughs>
2: ended up with her being 19 when we got married, which is hilarious. Really? Yeah.
1: You're dating, getting married, you get married. What's going on in relation to your faith at this point? Like, is there any right. deconstruction um, happening? How's it at BYU?
2: I think at BYU is kind of a weird vibe, right? So you're going to these religion classes and then... I don't know how to put it, but it just seems like there's a lot of different groups of people at BYU and there's varying levels of like adherence to the faith and like questioning and things. So like I felt like I was in a group of people who could be kind of critical of the church. Right. So it's like a normal thing to not think, th- you know, to think it was like normal for- to not be racist and to not be sexist and I stuff see. like that. And then yeah. all of a sudden later you're hearing about like, you know, these interviews happening on campus. Right. Um, where kids are saying just the most outlandish stuff that, like, I'd never heard anybody say in my circles. Yeah. Um,
1: You were a little bit, you were in a circle that was, I would say, a little bit counterculture, because I feel similarly when I think about my BYU experience. I mean, I, I heard about crazy things going on, and I could maybe sense that the majority maybe was a certain way, but the program I was in, the people I was hanging out with, I didn't encounter it super up close myself mm-hmm. and if anything yeah I was around a group of people similarly who were progressive and yeah. openly critical of the church in, in mm-hmm. certain ways yeah yeah so you did not have any major run-ins at BYU with like professors or any weirdness uh, I did. Oh, great! <laughs> um, Glad I asked. <laughs>
2: yeah. Uh, well, this is like this could be its whole, its whole own thing. Um, mm. But my ex was um, in the department where there was a professor who um, was sexually harassing his students, and he got let go in 2020. Oh, damn! It's um, a big thing, and there's like an ongoing court case, and he was just arraigned like this month or last month. Oh, um, wow! Yeah, so it was like this huge deal. And so me and my ex, spoiler alert, um, were both, like, (laughs) involved in this because, like, we had been working with him a little bit. Um, Wow. So, like, definitely, like, being part of the support system for the other students as this whole thing was ongoing um she was like really involved in this it's like this whole big fiasco
1: wow so were you married to your ex at this time when this was all like happening yeah
2: so we're still married um and this is right when we're leaving school right when covid starts um, gotcha in 2020 uh so it's all coming to a head then
1: wow intense Yeah. what was what was that doing for you and your partner was that like causing any confusion or questioning with church stuff or like how was that being internalized and I think I think a little
2: bit I think it fit right into all of the criticisms that we were having um Mm. and we just kept getting worse and then COVID like we stopped going to church and that was like such a relief for both of us because we felt Mm. awful at church and we had for a long time and we didn't know why yeah we we couldn't figure it out um but it just felt wrong all the time yeah Um, yeah
1: So being able to not go to church because of COVID felt like a relief. Yeah, and then we
2: could kind of unpack the whole thing with the professor and all that stuff.
1: Yeah, when you have these people who are either, you know, working at BYU or have callings at church that are like being put in positions of some sort of authority in the church and shit like that goes down, it is, I think, an impetus for questioning and also just... There's a lot that you have to kind of, like, parse out and think through <laughs> in order to, yeah, like, for sure. reconcile that.
2: Now, there is a... BYU is so interesting because, right, all the faculty is going to be um, vetted by the church and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you end up with these weird parallels. So he was in charge of a department. So he's kind of like the bishop of the department. People kind of just, like, deferred to him. People working in the department deferred to him. All the students kind of treated him like you'd treat your... Bishop over at the YSA ward. Yeah. Um, He was the wrong guy to have that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He's a a nightmare.
1: Absolutely. Wow. Um, Okay. So tell me about deconstructing. You stopped going to church during COVID. Do you feel like you were deconstructing before that? Was that when your deconstruction started in earnest? You said you were feeling uncomfortable at church, but maybe hadn't like really dug into it.
2: Me and my ex were both like, really hesitant to talk about it with each other there was that was that was probably one of the only parts of us that we weren't like openly sharing with Mm. how we we were really feeling about that just because like you're not supposed to feel that way yeah that's when I really started reading on like ex-mormon reddit Mm. like I was on there every day it was just like part of my routine it was like getting full circle
1: from the 15 year old version of (laughs) yeah yeah I've taken
2: a long break um but yeah that was coming up again for sure
1: (laughs) yeah so you were Um, learning all the things
2: Definitely learning all the things. Well, a lot of the stuff like you know that's in the, what's you know letter to my wife or the CES mm-hmm, letter, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like there's still a bunch of it that I didn't, I'd never heard of. But like, mm. you know, we were coming off of school and like, oh, my ex had like taken a, a good course. It was kind of critical in a way of the church of just like, it was kind of like women of the church of the mm. of the restoration. She had and taken that at BYU. Yeah, like going mm. in on Emma Smith really, really strongly and, and you know, is no holds barred in a way. And interesting. It was shitty. What happened to her? Yeah.
1: You know? Yeah, very um, shitty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I've talked about this before, but I feel like BYU is a weird place to be because when you're learning about a lot of that stuff, it's surprising to me how much the religion classes at BYU actually do talk about it. Like, yeah, the,
2: there's the, there's definitely a lot of professors who, yeah, who share f- it at all.
1: Totally. But when you're learning it in that environment, it's almost at least for me, I almost found it worse than if I had just figured it out like on the internet or something because it's coming at you with like a pre made response. So you're, like, learning something, feeling uncomfortable about it, but then immediately you have, like, a but, this, or well, that kind of thing Mm -hmm. going on. How are you feeling during this time as you're, you know, reading on Reddit, as you and your partner are starting to, like, open up about this? Is there, like, betrayal? Is there anger? Like, what were you going through emotionally?
2: I think there is a fair amount of, like of anger it was kind of how I felt a lot of my life is just like some sort of seething brooding like bad feeling of just like mm. not knowing what to say but feeling bad
0: mm. it was just
2: like awful right um, yeah and yeah I started like really getting a little bit better about it but there was st- it was still a little it was a little crazy because I didn't say I was done until Elder Holland's talk in 2021 so there was that whole year and a half of really being done and not saying I'm out I'm out like I'm not yeah. going back
1: yeah Even just like not being me, ready yeah
2: yeah and then like I had some friends who did leave the church and me and my ex were like oh they're just so like they just need to shut up about it like it's so boring like they just keep talking about the church all the time it <laughs> it's like we like just get over it <laughs> and it's yeah like, okay well I think we need to take that step and like have it out and really just like talk about how bad it is and then be able to move on.
1: Yeah. 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 It's like a necessary step. You mentioned the elder Holland talk. Um, which talk was that and why was it your final straw?
2: Yeah. And so I think it's a pretty common one here. It was his response at education week to the gay valedictorian coming out. And I just took that so personally, even though I didn't know why, but I was just like, why are you making it like this beef? with this young kid and, um, saying this like completely dog whistly, insane, you know, desnat stuff Yeah. in your talk <laughs> that people that I'm hearing about on Twitter right now, of, of these crazy people who, you know, believe in blood atonement and all these things. And you're kind of just telling them to have at it in a weird way. Mm. And I was just like, that's, it's, ugh, yeah. uh, that, that, that can't be happening. And I was just like, that's, the last straw like you just kicked me out of the church basically
1: yeah it's like okay that that
2: was you showing me the door
1: yeah can't justify that one Mm. that's the talk he like referenced musket fire yeah like lots of not not good things at all okay so you talked about you have an ex so you got divorced um yes whatever you feel comfortable sharing obviously but talk us through that what you know what was the why you got separated and then if like the gender stuff how that all plays in as well
2: yeah so we we basically we both hear that talk and we're like that's the last straw like I think she was a teeny bit ahead of me and in, in that she was like okay like I think I'm gonna stop wearing garments and stuff maybe just like a month or two before that mm. um and then we we're both like okay that's that's it like we're totally done and then that took a lot to, to unpack but like that fall 2021 is when we started to think about ourselves and what we actually want, you know, like up until that point, we hadn't really been doing that. Mm, You Um, didn't feel like you could do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, and you hear about it all the time. It's like people who leave are selfish and only care about themselves and all these things. And it was like, you need to care about yourself. You need to listen to your own feelings and heart and all these things. So that's when that started happening. Yeah. Um, and it ended up being a very, <laughs> uh, a process that, uh, you know, unearthed a lot more things than I was expecting. That's for mm. sure. Yeah. We're like, okay, well we can do whatever we want now. So let's, let's get high for sure. I think that, <laughs> that sounds like kind of a common thing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I think in like our second session or something like, uh, it was like, listen, my ex, you're not you're you're gay. Like you like mm. you're a lesbian. You like girls. You don't like any guys. Like we've mm. we've been saying for years, like you only like me. I'm the only guy that's attracted to you. But like I think you just aren't attracted to me that much either. And like mm. you like girls. Yeah. Um so that was pretty much a month after we left and then we were like trying to decide what we were gonna do about that and it just seemed unfair to leave things how they were yeah Um, to both of us right because we just didn't know if we were actually like compatible in that way yeah Um, yeah so we uh, talked it over a lot and decided to try an open relationship Mm -hmm. um, which is definitely an unsafe thing to do for a relationship is to open it up like uh, you can like have an open relationship if you start that way I think but like you're really risking it if you open up a relationship Um, because it can only end in splitting up or closing the relationship again or like somehow maintaining a balance.
0: Yeah.
1: That is a lot of work. It increases, Mm -hmm. I feel like the emotional complexity of a relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: So that's, yeah. So that's when things started getting a little crazy. We both had our panic attacks a, f- a couple of times over those months, it was, it was a lot to, mm. to handle for sure. And we were keeping leaving the church secret from both of our families mm. and the open relationship secret from both of our families, which, um, was really hard and yeah. caused some, it caused some issues for us for sure. Yeah,
1: I bet the open mm. relationship thing. I feel like there's a stigma around open relationships and I want to like yeah. actually dig into that probably in another episode like specifically but I really sympathize with couples who decide to try open relationships because I'm like thinking about your situation you I'm sure you have deep care for each other you and your partner you've Mm -hmm. built a lot together you've built a life together you have you know you've you live together. You've done all these things together. And that's such a hard realization to realize, oh, because we were in the church, you didn't have the opportunity to explore your sexuality. I didn't either. And now we're together. It's almost like a lose-lose because it feels like we love each other. We want what's best for each other. But in order to like actually allow the other person that or to do that, it requires a lot of change and like heartbreak I can imagine too. So I can see maybe an open relationship feeling like a way to be able to explore some of those things you weren't able to while still, you know, maintaining a relationship that means so much to you. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Wow. Thank you. That I that... know <laughs> um, I feel really understood um with what you're saying there. That's nice. Yeah,
1: um, I'm glad. I just feel like people are like open relationships. Like there's A, I think a lot of people respond that way because I think it's not a thought that a lot of people, especially post-Mormons, a lot of post-Mormons have had that thought or maybe even Mm -hmm. that inclination. And I feel like there's almost an additional like, oh, I would never. But I think that it, I just see why that, that, why that could make a lot of sense and how, you know, it's, if you feel like you missed out on that exploration, you want to offer that to yourself and to each other. But you also, Mm -hmm. like, don't want to abandon your relationship. So, Exactly.
2: Like, yeah, we were, you know, we'd been married for, like, four years at the time. Yeah. Um, And it was, yeah, not something we were ready to let go of at all. Uh, We were best friends and um, really had a great thing going, you know. And we'd worked to integrate with each other's families and all these things. Yeah. um, That we didn't want to let go of. But, yeah, we just did not know what we wanted. So we needed to explore that. I certainly didn't know what I wanted. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: So where did it lead? You said there was like panic attacks and anxiety. Yeah. Oh, well, was...
2: Let's throw in some good stuff. Um, we really met some awesome people, both of us. Good. And exciting. And that's, um, yeah. So like the very first person I went on a date with, this is interesting is she had a trans partner. Hmm. Um, so I kind of was hearing about that a little bit. Um, and thought it was so interesting all these things. And well, you know, we've actually stayed friends. Like it it didn't, there wasn't really that much of a spark romantically Mm. between the two of us, but now we're like friends with each other, like good friends. Awesome. Um, which is super fun and rewarding. Right. Yeah. Uh, so like just that is like, we were like in the right place at the right time to meet someone who we really connected with as friends. Totally. Yeah. Um, And expand your world view, it sounds like, too. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, yeah, I was just hearing about how that was very hard for her, and I was, like, but it wasn't, like, some foreign, unrelatable thing for me. It was something that, like, (laughs) I still, I was months away from realizing that I related to her partner at all, Mm. but it was, you know, just, like, a little bit of exposure to that was helping me. Yeah, Um, yeah, I can imagine. for example, it just so happened that I went to a wedding in January um, while I was living in Chicago with some like coworkers of mine, and like one of my coworkers who was super, super nice to me, her spouse, her is a trans woman, and I got to meet her. So it was like the first trans woman that I ever met. Mm. And they're in a little lesbian relationship. and I was floored. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh. I did not know that you could do this.
1: Mm. It was and like seeing the possibility.
2: Yeah, mm. I still didn't think about myself yet. Yeah, but I was like, "This is so cool. I'm so jealous
0: of mm. what <laughs> yeah. these two
2: have." You know? Yeah, and yeah. Just like, yeah. So, and like at the same time, my ex is dating girls, and I'm like so happy for her. And, and, like, I'm weirdly not that jealous of a person, and it does work for me to, I think, have more open relationships mm. that way, where I'm, I'm, like, excited to hear about people and their their other partners, or, like, my partner, you know, having fun with other people. Yeah. Um, but, like, it made me so happy to see them, and, like, I really felt like I kind of fit in, so that was, like, weirdly like, something I couldn't figure out, right? So it's like, a weird Mm. little mystery why I felt, like, so much, like, I wanted to be a part of the lesbian community. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I kept meeting lesbians who, like, I was, like, okay, I want to be just like you. And then after a few months of this, uh, it's now last June, I finally am reading online in the middle of the night um, just, like, about trans people. It's just, like, this trans subreddit where people joke about being trans, and it's just, like, you know, a lighthearted thing sometimes. Um... And I was, like, relating to it, and I was like, okay, well, uh, I can't be relating to all this stuff and not, like, be this stuff. And that's when I mm. kind of finally figured it out. I was like, okay, all these little things are adding up to me wanting this for myself and mm. wanting to switch genders and yeah. be transgender. And yeah. that's what being transgender is. It's wanting to be the opposite gender.
1: Yes. And that's
2: when I fi- it finally clicked for me.
1: Cool. What was that realization like? Was there, was it overwhelming? Was there fear? Was it mostly just excitement? Like, that's a really big realization. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Lots of tears. I think I cried for the first time in months Mm. um, that night, and yeah, I just was like, I know what I want to do. Like, that was the coolest part of it. It's like I know how hard this is going to be. I know how scary it is, but I know how good it sounds and how right it sounds yeah and like it was kind of my first time figuring that out that I wanted to do something for myself and not just like because of other people or organizations and their expectations
1: yeah yeah that's huge so you feel like from that moment you had that realization you were pretty sure you were like this is the route I'm going like this is what this feels right this is what's right for me
2: yeah I didn't know exactly what it was gonna look like because I was kind of (laughs) so uninitiated into like anything that was happening with transgender people or non-binary people or anything like that. But I was like this, I'm pretty sure. And within, within a week, I was starting to lean towards thinking like, I probably am going to want to use she, they, Mm. and I feel like kind of like I'm outside of the gender binary, but I lean towards the feminine side of it. And I want to seem like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then wow. it's been, that's, it's just solidified since then for sure. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. I have so much I want to dig into here really mm-hmm. quickly. Were you separated from your partner at that point?
2: Okay. So that was interesting. She was on a work trip mm-hmm. and we were, um, when I first figured it out and then she mm-hmm. got back and I told her pretty much just a couple of days later and this was all, Three weeks before we decided to separate, but just we had just all these crazy things happening. We were moving, we got to the new place. Um, she finds someone who she really vibes with, and mm. I'm, you know, just like again, she's like really happy for them, but it was kind of like not working with our arrangement for our open relationship. Mm. Um, how much they wanted to be seeing each other and all these things, so we were needed to make a he to make a decision, kind of. Yeah. And we're both still in denial about it at the point. Yeah. At that point, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then we watched Mormon No More. Thanks, Sal. Go, Sal. <laughs> Go, Nina. <laughs> um, yeah. And both just, like, sobbed our guts out. And that's when that's when my ex knew that it was time to, to end things. Yeah. To move on from each other and, and explore our own stuff separately. So it was yeah. all a whirlwind happening in... Uh, about a year ago, about last June, July.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a mm-hmm. lot because faith transition stuff, faith deconstruction is its own thing. But yep. all of that, when you're exploring sexuality, exploring gender, you're separating from your partner of four years. Yeah. yeah that's yeah, a okay. lot going on at once.
2: Yeah. I, I kind of spent uh, all day, most days just thinking and trying to get through mm. all of it. You know, it was just like, staring at the ceiling journaling just trying to work it out you know yeah it's it's so much effort
1: it sounds like it would be I want to hear about your experience now and what it's like to be a transgender woman especially in relation to like your Mormon upbringing I know that's probably something you could talk about forever but I'm just curious you know what that feels like for you what that's been like for you And yeah, just Mm -hmm. tell me what it's like.
2: It's funny because I haven't, I've been, you know, I've been living in New York for most of the time since I, um, you know, realized I was trans, Mm. uh, and I was closeted for since I was closeted to my side of the family Mm. until, um, Either July or August, when I told my sister, and that was the first person I told. I didn't tell anybody else for months, and so I kind of was exploring myself, getting getting situated in New York, and like having fun with my gender and like meeting people who I could befriend and all these things over here, and like. W- you know, so I wasn't really having to navigate that very much. Mm. Like still being closeted, like nobody can really tell that you all of a sudden realize that you're gonna change everything about yourself. Yeah, in, yeah, you yeah. Know, for a lot of people's eyes. Yeah. Um, yeah, so like being closeted was interesting. Oh yeah. Well, at first I had to come out as ex-Mormon, right? I was like, okay, I need to catch my family up. I'm getting a divorce. You're like one step at a time. Yeah. And so I kind of threw in, this is just like such a funny decision-making process, but I was like, okay, you know what, I'm going to write a letter and get caught up on the fact that, you know, um, me and my ex left the church like a year ago almost. Mm. And we're now separating like right now. Um, and we had an open relationship. I don't I might not have needed to throw that in, but that was really shocking for my family for mm. sure. But I sent them all a letter and like that had a lot of fallout. Mm. I think it's it's interesting because actually on on this podcast and on others are like I hear people talking about leaving the church and they often say things like coming out or transitioning when it, just in relation to leaving the church. And I yeah. always think that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, it's certainly a little taste of it. A little mm. taste of um, like a, a queer coming out or a queer transition. Oh,
1: yeah. Interesting.
2: Uh, very, very relatable. So I definitely, I don't get bugged when I hear that kind of thing. It reminds me of how I sometimes talk about my dog when I'm trying to relate to parents <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're like it's not I the same totally but goofy. it like kind
1: of is yeah there's similarities like, oh
2: I know exactly what you mean I had to get yeah. up and you know take my dog yeah. out to poop 10 times last night yeah it sounds a lot like what you're doing <laughs> with her, <baby,"> you know? <laughs> um.
1: no I appreciate that because I yeah that's mm-hmm. a great analogy because it's like I certainly cannot relate as a straight woman but there are similarities to the experiences, yeah. right? You
2: have to come out of the closet of being mm-hmm. an ex-Mormon for sure. And it, yeah. it can ruin relationships, just that. And it's totally the same fear of, of doing it. Um, yeah. I will say there's a lot more weight to later coming out as Absolutely. Trans. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, Absolutely. And that's really rocked um, my family's world for mm. sure. Yeah. Uh, in, in a in a very interesting way um, yeah yeah so i i came out to my parents in december of uh last year yeah and that was so scary i've never been more scared you oh know? i bet and it, yeah and it, at first it didn't go well they like took it really hard um But they, like, apologized to me for kind of, like, not handling it well at first. And they've been, you know, trying their best, right? Mm. And putting in a lot of effort. Um, Yeah. It's weird because it seems like it's all moving in slow motion a little bit just because we don't live by each other. Mm. Um, We don't see each other very often. Just talk on the phone. Okay. And then I did come out publicly a couple weeks ago, um, which was, like, I didn't need to wait that long. Like, it was it was so nice and I definitely have cultivated like circles of people who were for sure going to be supportive I don't know I was like worried about it yeah it's still scary Um, I'm sure it's still very scary scary for sure and I didn't know who I was going to alienate um but I definitely had just like such a great response to that and it's been wonderful so far good yeah good Um, with that being said I am having my first little Mormon experience as an out trans person although I don't I look super gay at Christmas. <laughs> um, so that was actually interesting. Like I went to my parents' ward for Christmas. Um, oh, you I went guess, to but... church? Yeah. Whoa. I was like, hey, what's up?
1: <laughs> Wild. So funny. But right, you're yeah. coming up on your next Mormon experience. Yes,
2: which is my younger brother's getting married. Yeah. Temple. In the temple. Yeah. yeah. So that has been a whole thing to navigate.
1: Talk to me about it. What's it been like?
2: well it's just been funny because like I'll I'll be talking to my sisters about like what dresses we're gonna wear and everything and then that was tough for people to to get and I had to kind of convince everyone to get on board with Mm. me wearing a dress yeah and we're just gonna see how it goes I guess but I feel the most comfortable in one I think it would be silly to show up in a suit and look like a Like a butch, lesbian girl. Um, That would be much more of a statement. (laughs) Yeah, honestly. Than leaving in a dress. Uh, Yeah. You rock
1: that dress. I'm excited for you. But yeah, Yeah. it it does seem like... Oh, man, I have so many questions. I'm curious what it's felt like for you. Okay, here's my first question. Once you realized that you were trans... Were did you all of a sudden have this like whole different perspective on your whole life leading up to that point? What was that like, looking back at? Because you yeah, you you didn't yeah. know you were trans up until that exact point, right?
2: Yeah, I had to go do a little review, you know, and it's still there's still random things that come up. Like I thought of that story from my mission about mm, the girls on the train. Yeah, earth, yeah. Um, when I was thinking about our mission you know yeah when we were talking about this uh doing this little podcast yeah yeah uh, right and i was like oh that was such like a little gender affirming thing yeah so it's fun to look back and see where maybe i did feel a little uncomfortable sometimes and mm. it was because of um gender yeah or maybe i felt really nice sometimes and i didn't know why and it was because i felt my gender being affirmed yeah so it's like it's funny to look back and just be like Oh, there was that one random time in high school when I heard about like a little party that some girls were having and they're like, Oh, it's girls only. And I was like, but it's, it's me. Like, yeah. I, <laughs> you <can> come, right, <laughs> you know, I just felt like excluded. Yeah. And, like, I don't think most guys would have felt that way. Yeah. Um, I think the most obvious, like physical thing, um, for me was probably in health class in 10th grade. Mm. um. When we were looking at the male reproductive system, like the diagrams, yeah, and there's just like all these tubes and things that I mm. hadn't really known about. And I started feeling sick and I had to walk out of really because I was like pale as a ghost. I thought I was gonna either faint or throw up. That had never happened to me before.
0: Interesting, um,
2: yeah. And I like kept it together, got a drink was like what well, just happened and went back in and like someone's like are you okay you look like white as a ghost mm. um and I like I don't know just thought maybe I was a queasy person or something like mm. I didn't associate it exactly with gender but it's because I was thinking about male genitals
1: yeah and the
2: fact that I had them and I didn't like that yeah
1: <laughs> that's so interesting like being able to put those pieces together of like things that you were it seems like there was this intuitive sense Maybe pretty deep, but it's not until you had that realization and, you know, opened yourself up to that, that then you could kind of figure out what was going on during some of those times. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like stepping away from the church was critical for you in discovering that you were trans? Like, do you think you would have been able to figure that out while still in the church?
2: I think it was absolutely critical. I There were so many things I wasn't allowing myself to think while mm. I was in the church, you know? Yeah. Um, I really don't think I would have gotten there. I mean, it took me a whole year after, I'm or sorry, it took me like nine months or something yeah. after leaving the church, after saying, I'm not going back, this is it. Like, I'm totally leaving. It took me another nine months to figure out I was trans. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think if I had stuck around, I have no idea if I ever would have figured it out. Maybe I would have eventually. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, It's funny because in the church, you know, or like for me growing up, like I kind of did always have these little like wanting to be trans or like thinking about it in an Mm. interesting way that actually a lot of people didn't. But Mm. I kind of just thought it was another sinful thing that you're not supposed to think mm. about you know yeah it's like well it's the same as like wanting to kind of wanting to try alcohol or something. yeah yeah
1: yeah you yeah. just thought but like then, oh people
2: don't relate to me
1: yeah <laughs>
2: yeah it's like i kind of want to wear girls clothes mm. and I'm like, well that's probably like a sexual thing we're not supposed to do sex stuff so better not do it yeah you
1: know? so you just like wrote it off Yeah, yeah. we were talking about this at dinner in New York, and you said something that was so insightful to me about how you don't even know what you don't know about yourself sometimes when you're in the church. And I obviously can't relate to a big portion of your experience, but I feel like that's such a relatable sentiment for anyone who is post-Mormon and deconstructing is you kind of don't realize even how much there is to explore until you're in a deconstruction Mm -hmm. phase. And to me, that just speaks to the restrictiveness of Mormonism and the boxes that it puts us in that we're not even able sometimes to see that we want to be outside the box you know what I mean like we're just so used to those boxes that we're in and to those structures and I feel like that was such a big thing for me when you were talking about this to realize like oh yeah like sometimes we need a good amount of distance from this really prescriptive formulaic dogmatic doctrine in order to even allow ourselves to like figure out who we actually are and that's on all levels right gender sexuality and just like personality even like some yeah. of those things are yeah. just like off limits almost when you're just mm-hmm. still in the church
2: yeah i used to be a lot more sarcastic than I am now. <laughs> <laughs> it's very funny um but people will be like oh you're just being sarcastic i'll be like no i actually meant that like I was trying to be nice or something, you know? <laughs> like, but before, you know, I couldn't actually say what I wanted to say mm. a lot of the time and I just kind of had to pretend to say it. Yeah. Be edgy or annoying. And yeah. Just, it's just like a normal part of myself. But yeah.
0: yeah,
2: no, I totally, yeah, I totally stand by that. I think everybody, you know, can find something out about yourself that you, you don't know yet and you do it all the time but mm. maybe people who are still in the church are, are not letting themselves do
1: it and mm. that's
2: absolutely how I felt
1: yeah yeah it's really sad I the last question I want to ask you is how has it felt for you you made the realization you've talked about like telling your family and that's been difficult how has it been to go out into the world have your new pronouns go out into the world like as a female have these new pronouns like what has that done for you and how does that feel for you now
2: it does feel amazing (laughs) yeah yeah it's very scary you know every new step is scary Mm. um to take but once I get used to it it just feels so normal and so right yeah you know so like wearing makeup out or something like that Mm. like at first it was scary and now it's just normal Mm. and that is just like a sublime feeling yeah just like feeling like this is how i just do my day yeah being out yeah being out in public can be a little scary sometimes it's always Mm. funny because like i live in a part of brooklyn that's just super intense and Mm. i don't know queer friendly yeah (laughs) good i'd say good um so it's very comfortable around here and then like if i go into manhattan i think we were talking about this but like going into manhattan like everybody feels this way but you have to like go like look your best or whatever, like look yeah. cool or something, you yeah. know? So it's a lot of pressure,
0: yeah. but it's
2: not scary. It's just, that's just like such a nice thing to participate in in a way. Mm. It's like, it's just like so fun to go be a person and get perceived. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. can be scary at first, but it's, it's, you know, part of being human.
1: Well, I'm so happy for you. I, I'm really, really grateful that you're willing to share all of this. I feel like, society in general and the church specifically i think i don't know i almost feel like there's still like an intense level of like mystification maybe around gender and the transgender yeah. experience and for sure <laughs> i just like don't think it needs to be that way and i know that your willingness to tell your story and like share your heart and share who you are is just such a huge piece of demystifying the whole experience, right? And mm-hmm. like you yeah. said, there's like, I think every listener will relate to a lot of what you said and then will learn a lot from what you said about, you know, what that experience is like. And I think that's what we need in order to understand each other better and love each other better. And I just really appreciate you being willing to do that because yeah, particularly in Mormon spaces, like there's just a lot of stigmas and a lot of, you know, prejudices that are just really, really shitty. And a big mission of this podcast is just, even though we've left that behind, I do think, unfortunately, there's still a lot of deconstruction around different things that we need to do as post-Mormons because we grew up learning these things about different people, you know, and it's, absolutely there's still yeah. like so much deconstruction that needs to be done and i think hearing stories like yours is just a huge part of that so i really appreciate yeah. it
2: thank you no i i'm so glad to have joined you this is the yeah this is the perfect place to share i think you're totally right about you know demystifying right and that's what i had to do is right like i was kind of saying is like i had to meet trans people yeah before i could figure it out right yeah Um, so I think, I think everybody has to meet a trans person for them to really realize that a trans person is just a person, you know, and they're just, yeah, just a regular person like anybody else, right?
1: Uh, I was talking about this with Sal from Mormon No More of like, just everyone paving the way for each other, even in small ways, like the Mm -hmm. trans women that you were able to meet and how they paved the way for you and the trans women who were writing their stories on Reddit and how that like contributed to your story and now you're sharing and that's gonna like help someone else I just think it's such a cool chain effect that I always just like makes me feel stoked on humanity which yeah it's great yeah
2: and it's similar to you know there's there's that connection again but it's very much like leaving the church yeah you have to you have to get to know somebody who's left totally before you can totally realize that it's possible for you
1: yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. absolutely you are the best. I can't thank you enough. So you are um, on Instagram as one Caden yeah. Weber, right? Yes, that's Kay. right. Exactly. I will. Mm-hmm. I'm sad we didn't get a cute selfie that I could put on my I know. Instagram. <laughs> but I will, I will make sure to add your handle to the show notes and on Instagram. So if anyone wants to find you, mm-hmm. that's where yeah. they can find you. Yeah, yeah.
2: Feel free to reach out for sure. I'm very happy to meet you awesome
1: awesome (laughs) thank you so much katie i really really appreciate it thank you have a good rest of your sunday
2: you too yeah enjoy bye
1: g-i-r-l-s-c